Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 41. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Fire Nation, we are building an incredible community at EntrepreneurOnFire.com. If you're starting or running a business, you simply have to check out the free resources we have for you. Also, every interviewee has their own dedicated page with a full recap and contact info. Come join our awesome community at eofire.com and reach out to me with any questions or suggestions you have. Entrepreneuronfire.com was created for you, so come on over and help make it stronger. And now let's give it up for our Australian five-star reviews. Sam Nowakowski, Matthew Johnson, Annabelle Candy, DD3.TV, Victoria Gibson, Ossie Tez, and Vasco Degamas. Thank you so much, guys, and I look forward to thanking everybody who does the same. Okay, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Chris Brogan. Chris, are you prepared to ignite? Let's ignite. Ah, wonderful. Chris is the CEO and president of Human Business Works, a business design company using publishing and media to provide tools and smarts to help professionals work better, do the work they want, and be brave. He is the New York Times bestselling co-author of The Impact Equation and a sought-after professional keynote speaker that I've had the pleasure of seeing twice live. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, Chris, but take a minute, tell us a little bit about you personally, where you are, how old you are, where you're from, and then another minute about your business. I'm an old man. I was <laughs> 42 years old. So, you know, I mean, uh, I'm like two of John. So I am, let's see, born and raised in Maine. Uh, I live down in Massachusetts now. I was born in Waterville, but it's just because I was visiting my aunt. I was raised mostly in Augusta. So there, that's where I was on the planet. I live in the northern part of Massachusetts, and I do a lot of my living on airplanes, it seems, flying around, uh, doing speaking and consulting with uh, usually pretty big companies or whatever. Um, my journey, I guess, has been pretty, like, I'll give you the tiny arc, and I guess then we'll explode it throughout the exactly. conversation. Whew, I love it. I'm ignited already. <laughs> um, I started, you know, like my first first, first ever jobs were like, you know, what kids do. Like I worked at a library, I worked at a grocery store, that kind of stuff. And then I got into the phone company because my mom worked there. And one day she was like, Hey, there's jobs at the phone company. You should go down and get one. Okay. You know, and that's how life was for me for many years was just, that's, that was like my level of commitment to everything. Uh, okay. And then one day I was sitting on a couch and I saw, um, you know those uh, pledge drives that PBS does where they put on their best stuff to try to get some loot so you can get a tote bag? Oh, yeah. And uh, it was Les Brown, Live Your Dreams, and it was like a motivational speaker thing. And I went, wow. And that started to be on this crazy journey. And I went from just being some guy at the phone company to being a manager at the phone company. Left that company, went to a wireless telecom, which my mom thought, oh, God, you're going to die. And really enjoyed that. And I was in telecom for about 16 or so years. I left that around 2006, uh, right after starting my very first ever event called PodCamp with Christopher Penn. 
And I went to work with Jeff Pulver, who was running a show called Vaughn, which was voice on the net, but he also had this other show called Video on the Net. So I ran his show with him, and I also uh, was the community manager for a, a startup that we tried together called Network2. And then after that, I left and went to this other company, CrossTech, where I started up a new company inside of the company called New Marketing Labs, ran that for a little while, sold it to them, uh, turned it into something else. Went, took off and somewhere along the way started yet another company called Human Business Works that I run with uh, Rob Hatch, which is a guy I knew from seventh grade uh, that I reconnected with somewhere around 2002, I guess it was. And uh, it's just been funny stuff ever since. We started off doing you know some kind of high-level consulting work with really big companies and have recently turned the model around entirely to do publishing and media for professionals of any size company, just the individual humans as opposed to the organization. So there, that's my, that's my arc. Oh, and wow. I wrote a bunch of books. I wrote a bunch of books. <laughs> we'll definitely delve into that more later. And thank you for that recap. I really, besides the fact that we're both from Maine, I already feel that connection because it's such a small populated state, even though it's quite large size-wise. I feel like I know you so much better now, even though I've read your books and seen you live. So I just know that Fire Nation has already made a great connection with you. And let's use that to move into our next topic, which is a success quote, because we start every show off at Entrepreneur on Fire with our guest's favorite success quote. So Chris, what do you have for us today? Ralph Waldo Emerson, do not go where the road may lead, but go where there's no road and leave a trail, which is to say, you know, do it your own way. Uh, just because someone had success doing it down this road uh, doesn't mean anyone else is going to. You know, Buddha, that's, you know, if you see Buddha on the road, kill him. It's the same quote. <laughs> Chris, give us an example of how you apply this quote to your life. Oh my God, that's like my whole life. I mean, I got involved in social media long before it was called social media. I was in uh, bulletin board services and stuff like that in the 80s. And I just really felt for a really long time that community was part of business. And I just think that it took all the way until around 2006 before I found a way to start weaponizing that and starting to make business out of that. But um you know, as far as going my own road and leaving a trail, when we started PodCamp, Chris Penn and I, neither of us had any event starting experience at all. We're like, what do we do? I don't know. Well, we need some sponsors. Okay. Well, let's like reach out to people we know who run companies and ask them for money. And like, we really literally like put together an email together and sent it out. And one of the first guys who wrote back was like, that's awesome. Uh, what do I get? We're like, oh, uh, so <laughs> sponsors need something back. Oh, I, I don't know. What do you want? It was so embarrassing, but he was such a great friend and has, you know, became friends with us for years. And by the way, like his thousand bucks that he spent with us at that first ever pod camp, we've given him hundreds of thousands of dollars since. So it's kind of, uh, it turned out to be a good uh, investment for him. And that's just good karma too. He was investing in people that he believed in and a product or a service that he believed in and it's come back to him tenfold or literally a hundredfold. So that's wonderful. So, Chris, thank you for sharing that success quote, and thank you for giving that example of how you apply it to your life. Let's transition now to the next topic, which is failure, because Entrepreneur on Fire, it's about the journey of an entrepreneur, and you're our spotlight entrepreneur, so it's about your journey, and we all, as entrepreneurs, experience failure or challenges or obstacles that we have to overcome. Can you share one of those with Fire Nation and then tell us how you overcame this failure or challenge? Not me. I never fail. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I just was dying to say that. No, um, 
You know, I, I fail all the time. I fail so frequently that, you know, it's amazing that I seem successful. But, you know, in 2011, for example, I lost over 400,000 of my own dollars just sort of chasing all these different ideas. And it's really weird. I was talking to a guy yesterday, a fellow entrepreneur type guy, and he goes, spread too thin, did too many things. I was like, yeah. And, you know, he was like, he didn't even have to ask me any questions. He just knew. And, you know, I did what anyone does. You get a little successful, you get a big head, you start doing exactly the opposite of all the advice you ever read. The advice says keep your head on one thing, work that one thing, dance with the one that brought you, all that stuff. And you're like, ah, but I'm different. I can multitask like crazy. You should see how many tabs are open on my Google Chrome. <laughs> It's nothing to do with reality. So, um, you know, I, I blew it, lost a lot of money. And the way I recovered was uh, the absolute uh, way that everyone should recover, which is, you know, I just put my head down and worked hard and put the money back in the bank all through 2012. And I'm on track to a really great 2013 because I pared down every branch of the tree. There's This is just a straight up vertical tree with one leaf on it. And it'll, it'll produce fruit, I'm sure. That's very interesting. And I'm kind of curious how you think about this theory. I always hear that if the wealth was redistributed throughout the entire world, so everybody had, say, the exact same $112,000, if we just redistributed the wealth across the entire world, in 20 years, people say it would look exactly similar to what we have today because of the experience and knowledge that people have. They're the ones that will build it up to where they have. And is that kind of how you look at it? Whereas you may have had a setback financially in some areas, but you have the knowledge and experience to get back on your feet and move forward. How do you use that? I have two ways to talk about that. <clears throat> one was that my friend Joe says to me one day, I feel, this is Joe saying this, if I was dropped down into any city in the world with no resources or nothing you know, to my name, I could get up and running and start a business and be successful you know, in months' time. <clears throat> I said, I think I could probably do that too. I'll tell you the second story. Uh, I had somebody in to clean my house. I've never had a house cleaner in my life. I felt like a total bourgeois, you know, pig to do it. But, you know, I'm just, I'm male and I'm not very good at this. So I asked uh, somebody in to clean my house. He was so resourceful and such a business guy. And he barely speaks English and I, I don't speak great Spanish. But we had this great conversation about that work is all around you. You just have to ask for it. And so I think that it's totally true. Richard Branson started from nothing. He did not have a leg up on anybody. He owns a damned island. So if you can't, I, I, I totally believe the theory. I think that if wealth was distributed all over, you know, the same people would squander it. The same people would not value education. The same people would not take risks. And it would absolutely redistribute the same way. Well said. Thank you. And let's use that to transition to our next topic, which is the other end of the spectrum. That's the aha moment. Because just like all entrepreneurs face failure, we also have these wonderful little things called aha moments where we just really get inspired every single day when we have these new ideas because we're failing and we're learning from those failures and we're making amends, etc. Can you share with us a big light bulb that came on at some point in your journey as an entrepreneur and how you reacted to that? You know, I never read people's questions ahead of time and now I'm thinking, darn, I should have read your questions ahead of time. I mean, that's just a great question. You know, this is probably a family show. I was going to liken it to a, another act. And I was going to say, you know, you get a lot of these in your life and you're lucky. So aha moments come, you know, a lot of times when you just 
you realize something that you've heard a lot of times, but it just finally stuck into you. There's this thing in advertising. It takes like, I don't know, I'll make up a number. It takes like 53 impressions before you decide to buy the burger that you've seen on TV. And I think this is true with how we learn, period. I think we need repeated exposure to an idea before we really own it and make it ours. So an aha moment in my life was, excuse me, redesigning my company for 2013 was just really looking at the media that I produced. I mean, I, I have a belief that all companies, no matter what they do, must also be a media company in 2012 and 2013 and beyond. And that's just the the nature of uh, getting attention and doing business these days. And in doing this, I thought, well, yeah, but not making a lot of media doesn't equal making business happen. And so my aha moment was just sort of like, okay, so this will lead to this, which will lead to this offer, which will lead to this thing. And so that even if something is free and available and you could make good value out of it, there's a gentle invite towards the thing that will make me money at every turn in the road now. And so that's one change. And that has actually uh, yielded some difference in my business. So I'll call that one good for now. That's a great aha moment. Now, what specific action did you take, just one, to really make that aha moment real for 2013? Well, so I redesigned how I deliver all the courses and the material I'm putting out. So, for example, uh, there's a course that will be starting in at the very beginning of the year called Brave New Year that helps people with uh, their visioning, their planning, and how to do their business a little bit better uh, or their personal lives, but, you know, towards business as well. And what I'm doing to put it together is a month or so before Brave New Year, I'm giving away a free webinar that will give the, the basic steps of goal and vision planning. And that's because I just – I figure that's something that people will need. They'll be thinking about it near the end of the year. And that will be a gentle lead into Brave New Year. Should they sign up for Brave New Year? It's a course and it runs, uh, I don't know, either eight or 12 weeks. And that will be something to keep you focused on your, your plan and your growth. Thereafter, I'm going to have a follow-on, uh, what I call the practice uh, part of things, which is to keep this thing going. I think a lot of times we buy a course online or we buy a book or something like that. We read it, we put it away, and we instantly forget it. So what I'm doing instead is I'm doing something like vitamins to make sure that you keep the course alive inside you uh, by giving you weekly information and reminders based on the thing that you put together for an additional charge. So there's a free element, there's a thing you pay some amount of money for, and then there's another charge if you want to sort of stretch that experience out for part of or the rest of the year. And that's that's one of the ways that my aha moment put me together. That is a fresh new way of looking at things. And thank you so much for allowing Fire Nation to kind of crawl inside your mind and really understand why you're doing what you're doing. That's just such valuable information and exactly what we're looking for here. On that note, Chris, have you had an I've made it moment? Oh my goodness! What a great question. It's a it's a difficult question though because I think, um, I, I it's really tough. I think you you have to sort of not believe your hype. I, I'm very 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 committed to the idea that the minute I think I'm all that in a bag of chips, uh, you know, I'll start phoning it in. I'll fail, and it'll be terrible. Uh, interviewing Sir Richard Branson uh, was was one of my moments where I was like, this is good, um, and then you know, anytime I when I'm speaking and I speak to a room with more than 1,000 people, it always feels like that because I'm just looking out on the sea of human heads and thinking, wow, look at all these people. Um, being on the Dr. Phil show kind of felt like that. So, I mean, there's just been lots of little times like that. But no, I don't, you know, there's no private jet waiting for me. There's, you know, I don't own an island and I'm not in the Forbes 400 yet. So, uh, 
you know, I don't know. I don't think I've made it in those ways. But I define success, John, as this. Success equals being able to say no to whatever I want to say no to so that I can say yes to the things I want to say yes to. Chris, thank you for sharing that. And it just really shows us that you have had I've made it moments that you appreciate. Because as entrepreneurs, so often we have these goals that we drive towards and then we get there and we just put our heads back down to that next goal that we've set even higher. And it's so important to enjoy the journey. An Entrepreneur on Fire, it's about your journey and an entrepreneur's journey. And it's about enjoying that journey. So you've had these milestones that you have enjoyed because you've accomplished so much in life. And it's so important to be proud of your achievements. So I'm glad that you have. I know you have many more ahead of you. And I look forward to tracking those achievements, Chris. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I just think that you're, you're right. We don't give enough time to the appreciation of these moments. You know, I, I hit the New York Times bestseller list with the first book, Trust Agents. And Julian and I talk on the phone and I said, wow, well, that didn't, I don't know. Do you feel better? And he's like, I don't know. And then we just kind of went back to being who we were. And I, <laughs> I guess I wish we'd celebrated it a little more because, you know, not every book is that. And so I would say that, you know, it is important to celebrate, but you just have to get back to work thereafter. Well, that's a great point. And let's use that to our next topic, which is your current business. I was lucky enough to be present at the Agents of Change this year, 2012, in Portland, Maine, where you gave a phenomenal keynote speech about your new book, Impact. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, I wouldn't say it was phenomenal. I'd say it was horrible. I was like reading pages out of the book trying to come up with ideas to help you think about it. But <laughs> John, you can fake it for the audience. Hey, entrepreneurs on fire. It was amazing. We were the first audience to hear that speech. So I found that to be very invigorating. See, there you go. I mean, I, I snowed you by just saying you could be first, which doesn't mean best. You know, that's Microsoft made billions. Uh, four of the top 20 Forbes 400 people are Microsoft people because they weren't first, they were best in their estimation. So um, Julian Smith and I wrote another book called The Impact Equation, and it's coming out in October 25. I have no idea when this comes live, so around then. And um, it's about how do you really make your goals work? How do you get your ideas to be very distinct and understandable by others? How do you build a platform of value that other people can understand? And how do you connect those uh, platforms to people and get those people to actually care about things? And what we found is people are doing parts of that, but not all of that. Someone might have a great idea, but no idea how to get it out to enough people. Someone might have an incredible platform, but no really good ideas. Some people have it all, they just haven't figured out how to make people care because they're just no good at all at sort of the community relations or you know the experience of building community. And so we just kind of put a, a whole set of things together to help people. And it's a book full of action. There's a lot of like to-dos and go do this and fill out this. And, and the reason is just because we think that you know books and learning should be a practice and not something you read on the way to the next book. Well, I'm excited for that book. I'm also excited for what else you've been talking about with your business, but let's share one more exciting piece of information about your business that you're just excited about right now. What's one thing that's exciting you when you get up every morning? Wow, what a great question. I think that the answer I'd, I'll, I'll, I am excited about so many things, but one of the things I just did was uh, I've been launching these little challenges for people. And for example, I have a little group called The Secret Team over on Facebook, and there's about a thousand people in there. And we did a challenge called 20,000 uh, 20, words in 20 days. So it's 20K in 20 days. 
And so we're writing a thousand words a day, 20 of, you know, 20 days in a row, and that'll get you 20,000 words, which is the size of an ebook or the size of, in this case, uh, Paula, somebody or others, um, the last part she had to write in her young adult book. For me, it's just everything because I, I write a lot anyway. And so that was one challenge. The other challenge we put together, I, I put together, was called the Three Book Diet, which was starting November 1st, 2012, all the way through to November 1st, 2013. Could you commit yourself to only three books? Could you just read only three books for the year? But the point is, not just read the books, but really become a disciple of the content therein. And so it really starts a whole bunch of questions in your head. And it also really makes you challenge yourself on what the essence of learning is for yourself and what you can do with that. That's such a great theory to go forward with, because I find on this show, I always ask during the lightning round, what is your favorite book? And I get so many great responses and people are so passionate about specific books. So of course, I personally go right out and get that book and consume it. And then the next day I have another book that's recommended and I consume that. And sometimes I look back and say, wow, I've read five books this month. I really can't say that I'm a disciple of any of those because I'm just consuming so much at once. So I just love that idea. I love how you're applying it and it's going to be tough for me, but you know, maybe I'll, I'll bring that down to once a month for May. You know, I, you could certainly modify it in any which way you want, but I promise that no matter how you modify it, if you choose that second part of that, you know, really to do something with the material, it'll change your life. I mean, there's so many books that we say are our favorite business book or this book really helped me or something. And what they're really saying is, you know, it kind of gave me this one idea. My eyebrow went up and I wandered off. And if you get one idea per book, you feel pretty good about yourself. But you know, I mean, think of any of the classics. Think of uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That book is stuffed with ideas that are so vital and so useful, 80-something years later or whatever it is. And we just do the same thing with it. We just kind of read it and go on. But if you actually really emulated and worked at it, uh, you know, mastery could happen. Can you share with us your three books for the next year? Absolutely. Um, I have two of them right here. So let me just bring it up really quick on my screen because I'm going to forget the third guy. Um, so the three books I picked for the year are Living Beautifully with Uncertainty and Change by Pema Chodron. It's a book by a, she's a Buddhist nun, probably the most famous Tibetan Buddhist nun. And um, it's a book about how to understand what to do with uncertainty, what to do with change, how to grow, how to deal with uh, fear and bravery. And, um, you know, when I say it's a Buddhist book, it's very much like a bunch of uh, practical stuff that you don't exactly have to change your religion to get into. And it's definitely a very centering kind of book. Uh, second book is You Are Your Own Gym, The Bible of Bodyweight Exercises, because all entrepreneurs tend to do this thing where they forget about their body and that it's not just a, you know, a bag of meat that keeps your brain happy. <clears throat> and so I'm working on getting back into some fitness. And the reason this one's cool is because it's bodyweight exercises, because I travel so much, I don't have to worry about which gym is open or what isn't. Uh, I've got a set of exercises I can do everywhere. And so I kind of like the idea of committing really deeply to that for a year. Third one is uh, Daniel Coyle, who wrote the book, The Talent Code. They ripped up a little tiny version of the book called The Little Book of Talent, <clears throat> which is 52 tips for improving your skills. And so it's just got all little tiny bites uh, from the talent code. And so I figured 52, well, that's perfect. There's one a week and I can really kind of get into them. So, you know, tip number one, stare at who you want to become is talking about how do you really observe somebody's uh, success and understand what parts of it you can try to model. Awesome. And we link everything up in the show notes, Fire Nation. And we also have Entrepreneur on Fire slash books, which this will be listed on as well. So thank you for sharing that with us, Chris. And 
Thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to be so respectful of your time because you're such a busy guy. You squeeze us in your schedule. So let's just end this right now with our lightning round, which is just five questions real quick, just to give us some awesome actionable answers and then we'll knock off. How's that sound? I'm ignited. (laughs) What was the one thing that was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, The fear of uh, not having enough money. What is the best business advice that you ever received? You live and die by your database, given to me by Jeff Pulver, the co-founder of Vonage. Love it. What is something that's working for you or your business right now? Daily practice and ritual. The more I uh, try to allow myself to get deeper into practice and making that itself the reward, the better I get. On a side note, have you read The Compound Effect by Daniel Hardy? No, but I just wrote a note. Great. That is a phenomenal book just on those principles, which I am currently consuming and getting so much out of. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with Fire Nation? Well, besides Evernote, uh, I use Evernote all the time. I, Google Drive. I use Google Docs and Google Drive for everything. I wrote two or three of the books that I've written on that, and it's just, uh, you know, why buy Office when you can have it all just sitting on any computer where there's a browser? Love it. Okay, Chris, this is the last question. It's kind of tricky, so just take a second, digest it, then come back at Fire Nation with an amazing answer as a sign-off. If you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand-new world identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge that you currently have, but only $500 in your pocket, a computer with internet access, and your food and shelter was taken care of. What would you do in the next seven days? I'd probably set to work getting to know people and getting to understand uh, how I can help them interrelate. I think that uh, being at the elbow of every deal is probably the core of what I've done to be successful in my entire life. The more I can put people together and they, they look at me as just a great conduit, the better that my life has been. Awesome, Chris. That was actionable advice. And you've given us incredibly actionable advice this entire interview, and we are better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then give yourself a plug, and then we'll say goodbye. The best advice I always give everybody is be helpful. It sounds so stupid. It sounds so trite and simple. But be helpful is at the core of everything you can do. Because if you ask the question, am I helpful or is this helpful to my buyer, then that's how you can actually guess your answers. I'm going to send all my calls away to Bangladesh. Is that helpful? No, no, not really. So maybe I should find another way to manage that. This is the the big piece of advice. Plug for me. You know what? More than anything, I hope you check out the new book because I'm I'm rarely proud of a book and I actually like this one. So go to humanbusinessworks.com slash IE for impact equation and check it out. And if you like it, get it. Chris, absolutely. Fire Nation supports their guests incredibly well. It's a very strong community. Thank you so much for your time. We salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thrilled to be here, John. Thanks for having me on. Fire Nation, thank you so much for joining us today. Are you interested in learning five ways to make $500 this month? How about five productivity tips that will help you today? Well, that and more is my free gift to you when you go to eofire.com and subscribe to Fire Nation. Lastly, for that entrepreneur ready to take it to the next level, visit ignitemastermind.com, join our elite mastermind community, and watch your business or business idea explode. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.